0: Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. Yo, 50 years of hip-hop. 50 years of hip-hop from listener power, KEXP. This is 50 Years of Hip Hop. I'm Larry Mizell Jr. This week, my guy Martin Douglas takes us back to 2006 with the track, Mr. Me Too by The Clips. You'll hear how the Neptunes saved their weirdest compositions for a couple of their longtime collaborators from their home state of Virginia.
1: By 2006, the Neptunes were the most in-demand production unit in all of popular music. And their friends and frequent collaborators, the Clips, were changing their music industry fortunes by betting on themselves. But there's a lot to cover before we get there. Pharrell Williams and Chad Hugo started out as childhood friends for Virginia Beach after meeting at Bandcamp. They formed the Neptunes in 1992 and were discovered at a high school talent show by Teddy Riley. He's the innovator of the sound known as New Jack Swing, and he invited the Neptunes to work on the and Effect hit single, Rump Shaker. Around the same time, Williams became acquaintances with two brothers who were also from Virginia Beach. Gene Thornton and his little brother Terrence were both born in the Bronx and moved to Virginia with their family in 1979. Terrence was just a toddler. After striking up a friendship with Williams, they dabbled in the streets a little. Eventually, Gene enlisted in the United States Army, Terrence, who came to rap later than his older brother, signed up for the cocaine trade in full while Gene was away. As he scaled the ranks in the music industry, Williams helped Gene and Terrence secure a recording contract with Elektra Records. Gene and Terrence were then known individually as Malice and Pusha T, and collectively known as The Clips
2: point round me, Come me off the side of a bridge and drown me, Spare my family the details on how they found me, vigil by candlelight and gather round me.
1: It's Sales like... lagged on their first single, The Funeral, so they were dropped from Electra. This wouldn't be the last time Pusha and Malice experienced the hard hand of major label politics. <sighs> Meanwhile, Pharrell Williams and Chad Hugo were beginning to make major waves as the Neptunes. Even though they received a big-time placement on Bad Boy Records star Mace's full-length debut album Harlem
2: World.
1: It was an early single from a Queens rapper that really put Neptunes on the map, Super Thug by Noriega.
2: we a candle, around the English Channel a on the run now. You know what ain't no fun now. I go, yo, can come
1: From there, the Neptunes exploded. Producing hits for rap stars, old Dirty Bastard, Jay-Z, and Nelly. I take my
2: off.
1: As well as Billboard chart stalwart pop artists like NSYNC and Britney Spears. I
2: actually,
1: Williams and Hugo established their own label called Star Trek, clever branding to highlight their nerd skater outsider credentials. Their friends from back home became the first artists signed to Star Trek. In 2002, the first single from Clips' Star Trek debut would serve as a calling card for both the rap duo and their corresponding production duo, extending to the present day. Come
2: on. Ghetto we ghetto the backyard the yard, I sell it whip one whip, and soft the hard. I'm the neighborhood pusher. Call me subwoofer, cause I pump bass like that, Jack.
1: Grindin' was an instant favorite in radio freestyles, rap ciphers, and teenagers freestyling in the school cafeteria as a classmate hammered out a beat on the table. Only
2: big boys keep deuces on the ride. Gucci Chuck Taylor with the dragon on his side.
1: Grindin' came out on the Clips's debut album, Lord Willin' which sold 500,000 copies in the matter of a single month. It also helps that the album includes the Neptune's most adventurous beats, and the T and Malice put fastidious detail into their accounts of dealing drugs in Virginia and beyond. Let that
2: explain me and how I got involved. Young is hustling in the creek, meet John, John and Jamal, age 15, walking through the hallway, played the new Jordans, first ones on the scene. See, I could afford them, living out a dream, hustler on the rise, laces untied.
1: Clips began recording the follow-up to Lord Willin' in 2003 only to find themselves on the receiving end of more label woes. Up to that point, Star Trek had been distributed by Arista Records. After a merger between Sony and BMG, most of the acts on Arista were then subsumed into the Jive Records. Right at the same time as Star Trek signed a new distribution deal with Interscope, the clips were forced to stay on Drive. The Neptunes continued capitalizing on their creative and commercial momentum. Striking a partnership with former No Doubt singer Gwen Stefani, girl, I ain't no back, girl. and signing Houston's Slim Thug and Los Angeles rap legend Snoop Dogg on the star Trek. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Drop not to mention starting the band NERD.
2: No one ever really dies. Do you believe that? Uh-huh. Well, it's not for you.
1: And releasing their first album as the neptunes a compilation exclusively featuring tracks produced by the duo featuring pharrell williams singing lead on the single frontin featuring a verse from jay-z every
2: time your name was brought up i would act all nonchalant in front of an audience like he was just another shorty i put the naughty on but uh truth be told you do me for a loop this hole so
1: williams later told clash music he originally wrote the song for prince at this point, the Neptunes were topping charts and winning Grammys for their work on former NSYNC member Justin Timberlake's solo debut Justified. <laughs> Meanwhile, Pusha T and Malice finished their second album and watched this release date get pushed back again and again and again by Jive Records. Clips asked to be let go from their contract. Jive refused. Things got litigious between the two parties. Lawyers became involved. While sorting out the legal affairs of their music career, Malice and Pusha went back to the streets with product. The brothers were in legal limbo with the major label, so they decided to flood the music marketplace with the mixtape titled We Got It For Cheap Volume 1.
2: Cards with chauffeurs, sockless loafers, snap my finger, nigga, buain, no, the black cards. Bar none, put whoever on
1: us. For many years, mixtapes were the best promotional tool for rappers looking to sidestep legal red tape. They were designated as, quote unquote, for promotional use only, meaning not to be sold, mostly just as a formality. But some rappers and DJs made a lot of money off of these independent releases, and lots were bootlegged. Mixtapes contained a treasure trove of rap music, Artists weren't bound by licensing laws or sample clearances because these products technically weren't being sold. So many rapped on other rappers' beats and used new instrumentals rife with samples that could likely never be used on a commercial release.
2: Around 2004,
1: the hip-hop mixtape was experiencing a heightened level of unfiltered creativity, A few artists put out mixtapes which were even better than their commercial albums. The format revived people's entire careers. For example, it turned a Queens rapper named 50 Cent into an international superstar. It also later served as a canvas for Lil Wayne to become one of the hallmark talents of his generation. For Clips, it could have just been something to do. It could have been a way to keep their name fresh in the marketplace. It could have been a way for them to stay creative as their wildly anticipated second album languished on the shelf. It could have been all of those things as they brought along Ab Liva and Sandman along with them and christened the four-man group the Re-Up Gang. Regardless of the reasoning behind it, we Got It For Cheap Volume 1 sees the new level of notoriety in rap music.
2: 10 10.
1: Remember, the clips were still in their contract dispute with Jive Records. Still, they move forward with the Re-Up Gang, dropping We Got It For Cheap Volume 2 the next year in 2005. In the estimation of many critics and fans, We Got It for Cheap, Volume Two, was an even more defined artistic statement than its predecessor. Quite
2: frankly, I don't understand these claims. You ain't know I was Pusha, aka Brick James. You can't touch this. And on the feds list the names, and I hibernated immediate when Pusha hit fame. I'm cold
1: blooded. Then, at long last, the clip settled terms of agreement with Jive. They were given their own imprint, ReUp Records, and a release date for their long, long awaited sophomore album, Hell Hath No Fury. Two weeks after their new contract was announced, the Clips released the first single for the album, Mr. Me Too. The minimalism the Neptunes explored on Grinding was taken to an extreme on Mr. Me Too. The song's melody is made of dissonant electronics. They barely rise above a murmur. The drums on Grindin' take up most of the space on the track, but the percussion on Mr. Me Too was staccato, distorted, and clipped. Instrumentally, the song is so spare that the mere addition of Tambourine feels like a dramatic musical shift. The Neptunes were already left of center. Still, the production duo saved their most experimental compositions for their friends from Virginia Beach. It has long been an open secret in rap that Clips had the right of first refusal on most of the Neptune's beats. They used that status to get the weirdest instrumental backdrops for their rhymes, which would eventually serve as the groundwork for the subgenre known as Coke rap.
2: I know what you think and why I call you me too Cause everything I say I got you say me too I say I got a Benz and you say me too You're hanging out the window so they could see you But you ain't hanging out the window when you in that
1: G2 Or that G3 or G4 like we do Pharrell Williams explains the meaning of the song perfectly in the song's bridge Clips weren't the first rap group to dive into the minutia of dope dealing But they did turn it into an art form in and of itself Pusha and Malice made their crime tales as vivid and detailed as an Elmore Leonard novel. As far as fashion goes, Williams and Eclipse were wearing a bathing ape while many other rappers were rocking their jeans two sizes too big and t-shirts that fit like dresses. Between Lord Willen and Hell Hath No Fury, there was a sea change in the subject matter and style of street rap. There's no doubt the clips had a hand in that.
2: I'm up in the middle of the night. My heart beats pumping like something going on?
1: After the creative and critical success of Hell Hath No Fury, the Thornton Brothers continued to experience highs and lows. They left Jive for Columbia Records, released the third album of We Got It For Cheap, as well as their third studio album, Till the Casket Drops. But the album sold poorly, and the group never released another full-length album. In 2009, a former manager of theirs, Anthony Jeezy Gonzalez, was arrested and sentenced to 32 years in prison for drug trafficking. This led older brother Gene to change his stage name to No Malice, publish a memoir, drop a solo album, and then leave rap altogether. The clips have just recorded three tracks as a group in the past 14 years. Meanwhile, Terrence has enjoyed a fruitful solo career as Pusha T, signing with Kanye West's Good Music, and eventually becoming the label's president.
2: I'm so bossy, bitch, get off me. It's a different jingle when you hear these car keys.
1: After a string of critically acclaimed albums, he left the label in 2022, along with so many other artists, celebrities, and corporate entities that rightfully dissolved their association with West. We don't need to get into all of those reasons here. Mr. Me Too represents a high point in creativity for the brothers from Virginia Beach and their longtime collaborators, the Neptunes. And in their own way, they collectively push the boundaries of musical experimentation
0: and hip hop. This piece was written by Martin Douglas, Audio produced by Roddy Nickpour. Next week, we're going to be taking a little breather for our spring fundraising drive. We are listener-powered, after all. All the storytelling on this podcast is part of a larger community of music lovers connected through this little public radio station in Seattle, Washington, KEXP. Your donation is what brings all these stories to life. So we'll ask you now, and again next week, chip in with a one-time donation, if you can, of $5. $10, whatever makes sense to you. Hey, you can become a monthly donor and we'll thank you with a t-shirt, hat, or some other swag of your choice. At the end of the day, though, it's not about the stuff or the thank you gifts. It's about the music and the stories behind it and the feeling you get knowing that you power all of it. So if you're in a financial position to do so and you're so moved, head on over to kexp.org slash 50hiphop. From all of us on the 50 Years of Hip Hop team, thank you so much. See you back here, March 22nd, when we take you back to the year 2000. I'm Larry Mizell Jr., and this is 50 Years of Hip Hop, a listener-powered production from KEXP, where the music matters.